Hey guys, welcome back again to another episode of the Financial Independence Europe podcast. Today we're interviewing uh, Mr. and Mrs. Nomad Numbers. Um, we're actually going to dive into a pretty cool topic. Um, geo arbitrage, moving to the US, earning a pretty high income over there, moving back to Europe and leveraging that through those mechanisms, travel hacking, um, post-fi lifestyle, and also as a European. Is it worth it? Like, how do you move to the US um, yourself, get a crazy high paying job and move back to Europe and live a good life and have good healthcare for example anyway all that and everything in between we're going to discuss during this episode sit back relax and enjoy the show and i hope it will offer some value to you and leave us a comment or a shout or whatever if you've enjoyed it or if if you have got any feedback cool see ya welcome to the financial independence europe podcast where we interview people from all 44 european countries all of them about optimizing your life geo arbitrage and making the most of your money this was your hosts, Alvar, Arminta, and Matthias. Hello, everybody. Welcome back again to another exciting podcast episode of the Financial Independence Europe podcast. Today, we're going to do something pretty awesome. One of my personal favorites, uh, combining travel with geo arbitrage, high incomes, all in one awesome big nutshell. Um, and we're going to do this together with uh, Mr. and Mrs. Nomad Numbers. Hey, guys. Hello. Hi, excited to be here. And obviously also uh, with my co-host, Matthias. Hey, Matthias. Bonjour. Good stuff. And yeah, Matthias, maybe do you want to start with the first question? Of course. Um, some of our listeners don't know uh, Nomad Numbers, so that's why I would like you to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit of your origin story, what you did the last 10, 15 years, who you are, um, what you're excited about. Yeah, sure thing. So we are Mrs. and Mr. Nomad Numbers, respectively. Uh, I am 38 years old and Mrs. is 36 years old. We are financially independent and we retire early last year. We, it was about uh, one year ago that we decided to sold all of our belongings. Uh, we moved out of our apartment. We have a nice apartment in San Francisco. And uh, since then, we've packed just two carry-on bags and became uh, nomadic indefinitely, traveling the world slowly since then. In uh, our first year of nomadic travel, we've been to places like the United States, Canada, uh, Mexico, the island of Aruba in the Caribbean Sea, and this summer we are spending time in Europe. And right now we are recording this episode with you guys in Porto, Portugal. So for more background about us, I am from France. Uh, I live in France until my mid-20s. And I always wanted to see the world, to live overseas and to take the opportunity to um, explore and meet new people. And it is about in my late 20s that uh, I had the opportunity to relocate for work in the United States. Myself and Mrs. Number both work uh, at tech jobs. I'm a software, I was a software engineer and Mrs. Nomad Numbers worked in marketing. And I would let maybe you introduce yourself a little bit as well. Yeah, hi, I'm Mrs. Nomad Numbers. I'm originally from the U.S., from the San Francisco Bay Area. Like Mr. Nomad Numbers, I similarly wanted to live overseas, but since I was originally from the U.S., where I went was to Australia and Singapore for four years. I had always wanted to live and work in Europe, so although I didn't get to do that through work, I'm able to do that now. Now that we are nomadic, we're spending a fair amount of time here this summer in Europe. And, and it's been great. I think we'll plan on probably doing this every year for, for a little bit, especially because Mr. Nomad Numbers' family is in France. We'll probably spend a couple months every year in Europe. So that, that's been great. 
In terms of a little bit more background on our Phi journey together, we both discovered Phi probably a couple of years ago. We had our minds blown when we realized that this was something that we could do to achieve our ideal travel lifestyle. That's when we started making the plans that Mr. Nomad Numbers mentioned around you know, quitting our job, selling all of our stuff, moving out of our apartment, and just doing all the things that you have to do to get ready to travel long term. And embracing the journey. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Nice one. And one thing I'm first obviously straight wondering about, how have you guys actually managed to become financially independent through this journey? Because obviously everybody knows people earn good money in the Bay Area, but also pay $3,000 rent a month for like a small tiny apartment and like save nothing. How have you guys managed to save so much money or like what has your strategy been to, uh, to reach FI? Well, the, our actual financial investing strategy is pretty, I'd say, sort of the common one in, in the financial independence community in that we believe in Jim Collins' simple path to wealth strategy. And if you're not familiar with that, it's basically mostly investing in low-cost index funds. So most of our investments are in the stock market or the bond market through low-cost index funds, so the entire global stock market and the entire global bond market. We do diversify a bit in that we felt more comfortable in having some property. I specifically felt more comfortable in that because I don't deal well with the emotional roller coaster of the ups and down of the stock market. So I like the idea of having consistent rental income coming on a monthly basis. And so we do have some property in France and some property in the US to help balance that. In terms of the actual savings, we didn't we were we're both naturally frugal and we both were naturally saving even before we discovered Phi. So we found that even looking back, we were probably saving in the 60, 70 percent. From the get go, probably. Yeah. We didn't track that at the time because we didn't know that uh, it was something. We didn't know what the saving rate was. But yeah, we were probably pretty frugal. For me coming from Europe when the rent was probably in the 800 to 1000, when I got relocated to the US and my first rent was around 2000, it was already too, for me a lot. So, yeah, so that was my starting rent, uh, rent in San Francisco. And because San Francisco has some good regulation for tenants, my rent pretty much didn't change for the last 10 years. So over time, that was increasing our savings as well, because the rent, as you, as you guys mentioned, where are much higher now is probably in the three to $4,000 per month. Guys, one thing I'm just curious about, like, in terms of like numbers, would you be happy like sharing like roughly how did your earning journey look like over these 10 years? Because obviously we know now you've saved 70% to 60% of your income over the scope of those 10 years. But yeah, can you just roughly share okay, what was your income looking like? Uh, what were the circumstances you were earning it under? Um, also, maybe also taxation um, makes it a little bit in because obviously saying I earn 500,000 in Europe or 50,000 somewhere else in terms of taxation also quite matters. Anyway, I guess I'm just curious if you would be happy to share a bit more detail with us. Okay, so yeah, we'll just start with the caveat that those, uh, we work in tech jobs, so your result may vary. But uh, yeah, based on that, uh, happy to share some numbers. So when I started in France, my prior to moving to the US, I was making about 38,000 euros. As soon as I took my contract in uh, California, this jump to 90,000 euros. So that's already more than double just by getting relocated to the United States. 
And then through my about 10 year careers, through changing jobs and through various uh, negotiation, I ended up uh, way above 200,000. So my salary again, more than double during that time. Nice one. And obviously taking uh, that 10 grand a month, 8 grand a month, times 12, times 10, 7% return, probably more with uh, the last 10 years uh, bull market. Well done. I wish I could do that. So, guys, I'm impressed. Matthias, do you want to ask the next question? I, I think you can do that. I, I mean, you're you're young. You can also go to San Francisco. You can also um, go to tech and, and earn that amount of money. So you, you're free, free to do that. What I was also interested in is, do you guys have a European address and can invest in Europe also? Or do you just invest in the United States? No, we actually cannot. In I try to invest once I knew the tricks about low cost ETF and all of that. Uh, since I had some savings in France, I wanted to do that. I tried to open an account with the Giro in, I think you guys, I don't know if you guys are aware about the, the trading platform, but after a few months, they closed my account because they realized that I was resident in the United States. So right now, as long as I, became res I stay resident, I don't think I can invest um, in Europe. But you do have a couple of properties in France, so you can do that. Yeah, so that's correct. Yeah, we don't have, uh, we have investments, uh, real estate investments in France that we are able to do. Okay. And yeah, you, I mean, you can just sign up for a peer-to-peer -peer platform and invest uh, maybe also in European uh, loans. Yeah, one comment I quickly wanted to make on that. As Americans, you're not able to invest in those peer-to-peer -peer lending platforms for American tax residents. They always specifically ask like, hey, are you American? Yes or no? And guys, what I'm also curious about, obviously, as American tax residents, you have direct access to Vanguard. If you guys like open your accounts like directly through Vanguard or do they have like their own 401k or something like that um, in the US, how, how have you got that set up? Yeah, we definitely have accounts in Vanguard. It's our preferred uh, um, broker. The thing is with 401ks, they usually are provided by your employer. So Vanguard might be the choice of the employer, but your, another employer might have a different choice. So what ends up happening is you end up having a lot of different accounts in a lot of different places. So over the years, we have tried to consolidate everything in Vanguard, but in reality, we still have a lot of different brokers that we're managing. And so we end up using tools like personal capital, if you've heard of, which sort of puts everything into one view so that you can see all of your different accounts and all your different assets and all of it to get your total net worth and to get your total return, which is a little bit messy, but it, it seems to work well. But our preferred uh, vendor is definitely Vanguard, just because we believe in their philosophy. They have the best ETF options and they are they tend to be less profit driven. Than, than the others. Nice one. That's also one thing I really like about living in the UK that I've got direct access to Vanguard um, and can invest through them and enjoy uh, all the low cost. And obviously doing a true broker like the Giro, um, you know, it works as well, but it's less efficient. Sometimes the higher cost involved. And it's just, if you can go straight to the source, invest through them, that's just, you know, I'd have no clue what their exact market cap is, but whatever, 100 billion or trillion by now in terms of total investment capital. It's stable, it's conservative. And yeah, it, it is obviously weird to say I fully trust Vanguard with everything. And I don't have all my money with them, but as a provider, they're definitely also my preferred provider uh, for ETFs. Um, if I have the choice to pick them and 
then also we kind of like want to pivot a little bit into uh, a discussion on like the main topic of this episode, obviously, because what you guys have done is moving to the US, earning a really, really high income, saving that up over a certain period and being frugal. And then obviously now uh, living the good life, being nomads. Yeah, like that uh, setup. Yeah, Matthias has an awesome question uh, to start from there. Go for it. Actually, uh, we've seen that you kind of yeah quit your job. So maybe so many people. I mean, I know many people who go to would like to go to the as work in tech because they are passionate about um, the tech industry, the innovation, and and so on, and be just be part of it and make it part of their identity. And you kind of now quit your job. So have you lost the interest in in the tech industry? And why are you living the nomad life now? Okay, yeah. So we lose interest in tech, probably not, because what we are trying to do by becoming nomadic, it's actually focusing more on our passion. So uh, right now, I am working on other side projects, for instance, with the time that we have. We are also part of the, as we can reclaim our time, we also focus with to towards our family as well. So we want to spend more time with them. I think that's very important to us. So to give you an idea, in each 12 months period, we want to spend two months with my family and also two months with uh, Mrs. Nomad Numbers family. So that's something we're really excited about. And as we travel slowly, we don't spend all of the time just only exploring and, you know, going at the beach. And we also spend half of that time working on, on our project. And your projects happen to be tech-related in that you're programming, you're working on the blog, you're working on apps. For me, I really enjoyed the tech space in, in my career and that I loved the culture and the innovation and just being surrounded by really smart people. But it wasn't my passion. I wouldn't choose to do it if it, if it was optional. And now that we are fine, it is optional. I, I don't spend all my days surrounded by tech. I, I actually have a passion for nutrition. So I'm spending a lot of my free time um, reading about nutrition and I'm actually enrolled in a course right now on nutrition. So that's how I choose to spend my time. Cool guys. One quick comment, the contrast of this kind of life versus um, having two weeks of holiday a year and working 60 hours a week. I mean, it's pretty large, right? Yeah, it's, it's huge. It took Quite a bit of adjustment, especially for me, probably more for me than than Mr. Nomad Numbers. I still feel I still feel a little bit anxious. Like I still feel like I need to be constantly working on things. I still feel like I need to have a project or I need to have goals. I, I guess with Mr. Nomad Numbers, he's less anxious about it, but he still <laughs> creates like quarterly goals and things like that. And you know, he's constantly He's kind of created our, he's, he's now like project managing our lives in a way. So, so yeah, it's definitely not an easy transition, but I'm trying to remind myself every day that, that we own this day. We can choose how we want to fill it, how we want to schedule out our day and not to feel pressure that I need to be productive or not to feel pressure that I need to do specific things and to just embrace it, that we're really privileged to be in this position. And we're just still trying to figure Figure out our routine, figure, figure out what out. works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, as Mr. Mrs. Nomad Number says, I think the routine, I think it's key. It's not trying to just 
um, you really want to have yeah a good hygiene to in terms of your day. So I mean, we don't set up an alarm to wake up in the morning, but when we woke up, we like to focus on ourselves first in the morning. Maybe do some reading, some meditation. Then we probably want to go outside, explore a little bit. Either do some groceries to cook something for lunch, or go outside in a restaurant if we feel like it. And then uh, I like to spend at least half of the day on my project work, quote unquote, which can be a bit all over the place based of when I feel it like it. But yeah, I think having a routine has been helping us so far. It's not easy if you um, work in, in in tech and you got used to to ship results every every week, and then you suddenly can should stop doing so many goals and 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 working so hard so it's really uh, different to then um, step down from this productivity as need of to be productive and to shift to the process and just to live in the moment uh, without being without procrastinating without you know doing nothing <laughs> it's it's maybe hard yeah and this is why we we learn about slow living and this is what we want to do uh, as we travel we are not like traveling we are moving very slowly and we just travel every four to six weeks at a time so that gives us a lot of benefits of focusing on ourselves while traveling at the same times maybe in the next years traveling gets gets boring for you could be do you have the feeling that you already found what you want to do after traveling or are you already doing what you want to do after traveling or is it something you have to find out right now or later i think we still need to figure that out we have some sense in that we feel like we can keep doing what we're doing for for maybe, I don't know, four to five years in that we're moving around four to six weeks and seeing new countries and new places just because there's a lot of the world to see and we're really excited and looking forward to that. At the same time, it is not super stable. It's, you know, there's a lot of research and planning. It can be tiring moving all around all the time. And then as we get into Our projects, we probably do want to stay in one place for longer. So we do see ourselves having a home base at some point where we could spend maybe half the year and then the other half of the year traveling. Um, and then I think, yeah, throughout throughout the years, we'll just continue pursuing our passions, uh, working on projects that we're interested on, um, exploring things here and there. And then hopefully we find something that that will end up being our, I guess, our life's our life's work or our passion project that we'll continue working on and, and want to be, you know, in one more in one place to be able to, to focus on it. But for now, we don't exactly know what that looks like. It's very much exploratory. It is a very um, unusual place to be in just because, you know, when you're living a traditional nine to five or nine to whatever it ends up being job, it's, it's more clear cut what you're day-to-day -day is, as well as what future years might look like, what, you know, that common question of where do you see yourself in five years? It's, there's, you know, a limited set of options when you're in a corporate setting. For us, it's, it could be anything and the, the whole world is at our fingertips and it's a little bit overwhelming. So we're not exactly sure what it looks, could look like, but at the same time, it's exciting and definitely feel privileged that, that we have so many options. Yeah, we've been, uh, we were aware of the, uh, pretty quickly realized that, oh, we probably will have to settle down somewhere. Um, so pretty quickly we realized that and we started looking at each places we went to, we, we're spending time looking at real estate and all of that. So we got really excited about Porto, but 
prior coming to Porto, we ended up visiting friends in Costa Brava and really fall in love with that place. So now we're thinking, oh, maybe Costa Brava might be in our uh, top list of places we want to settle down. And that things keep changing all the time. Um, we are going to uh, Southeast Asia uh, in a few months. Uh, we are really excited about that. So it's really, as Mrs. Norman Numbert says, this is keep evolving and it's so exciting because every time we go somewhere else, it's like, oh, it's a brand new place for us. Like kids being in the playground, trying to discover everything again. Uh, so yeah, we look at this like something pretty exciting and uh, we are not, I mean, I'm, spe I'm especially not very worried about uh, how our journey will end up being because I think um, it's going to be fun and very um, interesting um, May I ask if you somehow in the future would like uh, plan to have kids? Yeah, we discussed this. We don't have any plans to have kids. So, yeah, that that makes our plans a little less complicated. Okay, yeah. Then you can really focus on, on what you really want to do. Because otherwise, if you have kids, there comes an additional layer of complexity. But there are still digital nomads that manage to have also kids uh, on the road and do homeschooling and stuff like that. So not impossible. Awesome, yes. So guys, in a little bit, uh, I want to dive into the travel hacking aspect of the So I'm kind of like, obviously, you, you want to try to travel as cheaply as possible and how you guys all organize that. Uh, but first, because if I would be a listener listening to this and like, hey, sounds awesome. Can I do the same? How does this work for a normal person? Can I also do this outside of the tech world? Um, just move to the US, get a job. You know, for the average, uh, how do this in the average Joe or what is it in the US? Um, yeah. Can an average person do this as well? Or average person just kind of like anybody? Um, so what I can give you guys are some of the, uh, I have a few advice for people that will be moving from France to the US and want to fast track their journey. By far, the most important one is the one we talk about. It's about uh, how we were, where, how you can increase your earning potential through moving to the US. And I was already showing you guys some of those numbers there. So this is the one by far that I was able to uh, utilize. Then there are tax benefits in the US, which are uh, interesting. So the US tax system is, can be quite beneficial if you generate most of your income through investment. So this is not something we've been using as we were in our accumulation phase, but now that we are in our capital preservation phase, where our income uh, is drastically lower and most of our income is coming from investment, we are basically paying zero tax on it. Um, so to get a bit more specific in the United States, if you are an individual and if you make less than, I just pulled out the numbers for 2019, but if you make less than $39,375. Any income coming from a long-term capital gain is taxed as 0%. And uh, if you file your tax as a couple uh, jointly, then basically that's amount double. So we will, um, so that's one of the lever we are pulling is that basically we get most of our income tax-free. So that's the tax benefits. Then in terms of real estate investments, We found it much easier to find property which are uh, cash flowing than in France. So um, again, to give you some specific, in France, I had purchased two property. The return from the purchase price to the, the gross rent was around 4%. So um, 
So after expenses, um, I'm barely making uh, income from that. While in the US, uh, we are more talking around 12%. So uh, I can even have a mortgage on top of those properties and still making money. So the, the property in real estate in the US was uh, much more advantageous for us than in France. You did mention travel hacking. So that's also uh, good things that uh, we do leverage uh, in the United States and something that I think I'm not aware is available in France. And it's basically the ability to open a new credit cards and by paying them in full every month, uh, as you start a new credit card, the bank company is giving you those big sign-up bonus. And for each sign-up bonus, you pretty much get four one-trip tickets to go inter internationally for free. So we've been opening those cards quite often. So we've been funding all of our international travel using uh, travel hacking. So that has been uh, saving us a few thousand dollars each year in travel. And the last one, it's the, the community. I think the FIRE community is really, really big in the US, as you guys mentioned on your blog. At the time we look into it, it was very hard for us to find resources in France. I think you guys' podcast is definitely a really good resource that we wish we knew before. Uh, in France, last time I was checking, I was able to find bloggers talking about real estate, but nothing really around uh, portfolio investment, tax optimization, and none of that sort. So those are some of the core advantages. I want to highlight some of challenges. Uh, I mean, nothing is, not everything is roses. So uh, as you move to the US, be aware of your work-life balance. I think people tend to work late at night and on weekends, it's, uh, it's not on your contract, but that's a lot of things that people do. So be aware of that and try to balance it the most you can. So then you don't spend uh, your life just working and not enjoying anything. The lack of vacation days, that was also a big gap for me. Uh, I was used to have between five to eight weeks of vacation. When I moved to the US, I've got four. Um, I think in general, when you start a job in, in, in the US, uh, you get two weeks if you work in tech. So it's really, really hard just to leave out of those two weeks. So just keep in mind that you won't have the same. And, and last but not least, um, you did mention the question about how we were able to save. It is pretty easy to succumb the lifestyle inflation that you can find in uh, like the Silicon Valley. So we were pretty good at that, but just be aware, it's a very consumerism-driven um, society. So you will have a lot of uh, temptation to uh, get your food delivered everywhere, get uh, your dog being taken care of uh, on walks by someone else. There are so many services, so many things that you can spend your money in a lot of things you might not need. <laughs> hey, I'll, quick note, um, well, correction on what we actually mentioned that people in the US can pay zero tax from a certain income level for income they've got coming from long-term capital gains. So just to quickly mention, this only applies to US federal tax. And since people in the US pay both federal tax and state tax, and each state dictates whatever their own tax level sometimes is and how they collect it, there are still people uh, who, bill, who are paying tax on long-term gains. Just quickly wanted to mention that for clarification purposes, and yeah, enjoy the show. One thing I also would really like to know as like European citizens, when we hear this as a listener, how can we do this ourselves? Because obviously the, the benefits are obvious, US versus Europe. But I mean, I assume you got a sponsored visa or your merits and that way you were uh, get easily were able to get into the US. But are you aware of any ways like Europeans can 
utilize treaties or any other ways for them like to get into the U.S.? Yes. So for me, I was able to get through the U.S. using a L1 visa. So basically, the company I was working for in France as an entity in the United States. So it was an internal transfer uh, that ended up being a relocation. So that was my way into the United States. And then that got transferred into a, a green card later on uh, that was sponsored by the company in the U.S. Um, so that was my way to get in. I think that's the best way. Usually what people can do is something similar when you can reach, uh, get in touch with the company in the United States. And if they have an entity in France, they can start hiring you there. And they just need, you just need to work six months for the, the company in France. So then you can get that L1 visa. That's much faster. The other option would be to go with a H1 visa. Um, the problem with the H1 visa is that they have limited in terms of numbers that you can get each year. So you don't have a guarantee to get those visa. When I arrived in 2008 with the recession, it was pretty easy to get those because nobody wanted to come. But now um, it's pretty hard. So those are the, the basically two options you have to get a job in the US. Gotcha. One thing I also would like to add for Dutch citizens, um, they don't take this as exact advice and always do your own research. But the death treaty, the Dutch-American friendship treaty, um, so I'm literally reading this out loud from Wikipedia, but the treaty al allows Dutch traders and executives and specialized employees to enter the U.S. with an E1 and E2 visa. This is something specific for Dutch citizens. And if you're interested, it's worth exploring because it can be far easier to get through it in like this than versus a green card or other ways uh, for Dutch citizens. But again, do your own research. Uh, same as all investment advice. Don't copy paste what we say. Uh, yeah, do your own research and make uh, wise choices. But yeah, anyway, I just thought that would be interesting to kind of like discuss from like a listener perspective. How can I duplicate this? How can I um, yeah, kind of like realize this for myself as well? Because obviously in the EU, we have Switzerland, we have Norway, we have Luxembourg. We can also like get access to really high incomes through those countries. At the same time, the US is kind of like the most known for it. Um, the FI community is enormous. And having all those awesome tech companies over there, I can definitely see a lot of pros for um, going over, even with the, the crazy work hours. But anyway, guys, I found that seriously fascinating. Um, and yeah, I think Matthias wants to ask um, a really challenging question. <laughs> Uh, it's not really challenging, but um, I would uh, ask you where people can find you online to just to wrap up slowly. Do you have a blog and also some uh, social channels or where can people find you when they want to dig deeper into your travel hackings and want to see where you're currently staying and so on? Yes, yeah, so um, we do have a blog. Um, so our blog is at uh, nomadnumbers.com. This is where we will find, uh, our, you can find us there. Uh, we are sharing our uh, journey, the place we are going to, uh, what we are doing, uh, as well as uh, we are very transparent about our numbers. So all of our expense are there. Um, so if you are interested to know more, that's definitely the place to go. And um, we are also on Instagram. That's where we, we post uh, usually once a day about something, an experience we have. And again, we like to post the cost so people can see how much we spend on, on those activities. And you also have um, a travel expense or an expense app you're developing as a side project? Um, yeah, so that's something we haven't uh, released yet, but I'm working on that. Um, and I will be sharing that with uh, in beta with the um, 
our community. So if you sign up for our newsletter, I think that's the best way for you to figure that out. Um, we are trying to work on the idea of crowdsourcing the cost of living um, across the world. And we want people to uh, help us as well uh, to share their numbers. So then um, we can uh, see what it costs to live anywhere in the world. Nice one. Kind of like an advanced version of Numbio, but then more like personalized and more location-based and less kind of like, um, you know, how much does 6X cost, but like a more personalized version of that. Is that uh, a correct summary of it? Yeah, we wanted to be focused on type of spending and lifestyle. So um, the short answer is like, yeah, we couldn't find something on the internet that was providing us that. So I'm doing it. We're doing it for ourselves because we like crunching numbers and It was easier to build a, a website than having to do a lot of Excel spreadsheets. But ultimately, we believe that a lot of people will be interested to do the same. So then um, if we join forces and get all of that information, I'm sure we can get a very good outcome out of it. Nice one. And um, well, the next one of the final questions, um, what is one resource not well known that you would recommend to others? This can be your own blog, a podcast, a book, whatever you want. One thing you would recommend people, please check this out. It will really benefit your life. Yeah, I think a lot of people already are familiar with um, a lot of the five resources we use. So well, the one that I think of for nomad travel is a podcast we like to listen to called Nomadtopia. The host is not super active now, but she has a great library of a bunch of interviews that where she's talked to a lot of different nomadic travelers and the, the way they've approached their life, how they've sustained it. And it's just very inspiring to see how a bunch of other people have done it. And most people don't do it through FI. So if you're interested in being nomadic and doing long-term travel, but still working, most people, most people do nomadic travel while still, still working. Um, and so it's very inspirational to find out how people are able to do that. Nice one. Matthias, you want to ask the last one? Of course. What's one actionable tip for someone who just got started uh, to the past 2FI? Is there anything what you can recommend to them? Yeah, so what I would say is that don't focus too much on the destination and enjoy the journey. So I know that can be meta, but from everything I've done, for instance, or everything we've done from moving overseas to explore new country from changing jobs to learn new skills, uh, we didn't know about FI at the time. Especially, yeah, we don't know what financial independence was. Uh, we just did it because we were excited by the new challenges or the new opportunities. So that will be, uh, I think, our advice. Just enjoy the journey. You don't, you never know where you are going to end up going. So just make sure that you are enjoying it. Um, and yeah. Yeah, I have to add to that, that the last couple years when I, I did find out About Phi, I felt like I was making my work decisions more related to Phi versus like because I wanted to do it. And I, I found myself less happy that way just because I was making decisions around financial reasons versus like, oh, I, I want to do this job or I want to do this project. So if you're going to have a long Phi journey, and for most people it's 10 plus years, make sure that you're, you're doing work and making decisions that, that are true for you versus, you know, just to hit a number. So balancing, balancing earning money versus um, also spending a little bit here and there to just make it more comfortable or convenient or more um, yeah nice to, to live uh, the 10 years you might have to have to wait um, until you go FI. Okay, so 
It was a pretty much um, a very interesting episode. Um, we learned a lot about um, how you can use um, working in a, a high um, salary country, I would say, or in, in tech industry to use it and what you can also um, do next and how you can, for example, also go from the from Europe to the US, work there and uh, earn a shit ton of money, <laughs> um, especially um, from our perspective in Europe. And then, yeah, just start your own life. And we also have seen um, how you live your day, what you're doing, maybe uh, what you're doing in the morning, that you have also a couple of projects, that you see your family more often. So a lot of advantages also being FI and, and, and living the life. Yeah, so thank you for being in the show. Thank you very much. It's been a, a fun conversation. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Hey, Matthias, do you think there are no financial independence Facebook groups yet? Yes, there's definitely a shortage in financial independence Facebook groups. That's why we want to create another one. And the real reason is that we want to get some feedback on our episodes to have a conversation with our listeners, um, to follow on the topics. And you might also have some questions around our content. Gotcha. And also, we've been talking with more of you guys at meetups, on Reddit, in Facebook groups, the Fire Europe retreat, obviously, we organized. And this is, in the end, the main reason why we started the whole podcast project to talk to guys like you, uh, learn more from you, case studies, answer questions, and like hopefully all grow and learn from that together in the end and become stronger, smarter, and hopefully also richer people. So, you know, Matthias, say I'm interested in this. Where do I find this Facebook group? Yeah, just go to your Facebook app and type in FI Europe podcast or just click in our show notes. There's a link for the Facebook group or go to our website. There's also a link. So yeah, just type in FI Europe podcast. See you in the group. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this. Subscribing through your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review. Following us on Instagram and Twitter at Financial Independence Europe. Sending us an email with questions and feedback. We would love to hear from you. All the mentioned articles, books and cool resources can be found in the show notes at financial-independence.eu. Thank you for listening and see you next time.